This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome into the NBA Morning Deuce. Big episode. We teased it yesterday. First episode, Alex, that we've had since we started the show. There's no games to react to. We got nothing. But we got something. We uh, we got the Eastern Conference Finals to preview. Starting at night. Heat, Celtics. It's what yeah, we. How, it's, how about it? It's what we asked for, and you, you know what? You know what that means. Do you know what that means, Alex? I'm not sure. What does it mean? You know what that means. Bad news. For- bad news for who? It's bad news for every other podcast doing an Eastern Conference Finals preview because we have, we've teased them. We've teased them a few times. We've got them. Jonathan Zaslow hosts Zaslow and Amber pregame, postgame, Miami Heat. If there's somebody that's going to talk Miami Heat basketball on your podcast and preview the Conference Finals, he's the guy. Zaz, what's up? Welcome to the Deuce. What, what, a, what an introduction. What a soundbite. I love it. I love it. That's the soundbite sweeping the podcast nation. Bad news for the other podcasts. I like it. Bad news for the other podcasts. So, Zaz, I gotta, here's where I got to start right off, right off the bat with the Heat. Mm-hmm. You, you're a lifer. You've seen everything. You, you know, and I, I listened to your show today. I know how you feel about the Celtics. I know you're not a – you hate the Celtics, right? I don't like them. You don't like the Celtics. So how do you feel about Heat fans suddenly in this offseason embracing Kendrick Perkins as the Heat cheerleader? He loves well, the Heat, and Heat fans love him all of a sudden. Yeah, I'll tell you my backstory first with Kendrick Perkins. And – it's like, I don't want to have him on my show, okay? Zaslow and Amber, 10 to 2 on the ticket weekdays. I don't want to have him on the show because I feel like a phony, okay? Even though we all love Kendrick Perkins now because he's on the East Tip. But I feel like a huge phony having him as a guest on my show, even though we're on the same page because I spent, I've spent the last six, seven years referring to him as goon time. Anytime his name comes up in any kind of conversation and not just referring to him as goon time, but like the worst player in the NBA, his last few years in the league, oh, horrible. he was a horrible player. His last few years, you know, when he was on those, the, you know, the 2008 Celtics, excellent defensive center. He's a big reason him getting hurt in the 2010 finals against the Lakers is a big reason why the Lakers were able to come back and win that series game six and game seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Bynum, and they didn't have Perkins to guard him. And, you know, Perkins was a meaningful player for those Celtics teams for a few years. But by the time he got to Oklahoma City, like that 2012 series where the Heat beat the Thunder in the finals, we loved it when Kendrick Perkins was on the floor. He was terrible. Yeah, I, I, Alex, the other day I used I used the uh, Jeff Green Perk trade as one of the many reasons why Sam Presti is one of the most overrated GMs in the NBA. Yeah, he... 
he he just he killed that. Like Scotty Brooks was killing the Thunder playing Kendrick Perkins so much Absolutely. that series. So I've spent the last while talking about Guntime being just a horrific player. And now over the last little while, he loves the heat. He's so 305, okay? And he's a country boy, okay? So, so like, weird. He's a tough guy, you know? And he loves 305. He loves Dade County. You know, his thing is them goons. And so we love it. Like, I, I, I hated him as a player because he was terrible, but I really like him, obviously, as an analyst. And not just not just with the Heat stuff, but I just feel like he's a straight shooter. Like, even with all the Kevin Durant stuff calling him out, you know, like, I just feel like he's a straight shooter on television. You don't get a lot of former players who are like that. But I don't want to have him as a guest on my show because I feel it makes me a little bit of a phony. But I, I, do like, I do like Kendrick Perkins on television. I think he's very good. Wild. So, so just so you're aware, Alex is a Alex is a, he lives up in Philly. He's a Philly guy. So I, I mean, I gotta know Alex because I know. Look, different fan bases are different, and Philly fans are just a different breed. Could you ever imagine yourself in the middle of a playoff run just suddenly embracing a Celtics player or one of your biggest rivals' most hated players? I just I don't, I don't think it's so. It's such but a weird I thing. To, I guess I, I I don't know because I don't really have a team at the moment. Like I don't have a horse in a race, so right. to speak. Well, even though I'm South Florida. I guess I'd be more shocked than anything that a, a national analyst is embracing Philly because that that rarely happens. But I, I'm trying to put That's myself true. in that position, and I don't think we'd latch on to Kendrick Perkins, whose basketball reference page I just pulled up, and under nickname <laughs> we've got Swamp Fang. Anybody? <laughs> I was completely unaware of that, but that's a fantastic nickname. Oh man! Um, well, you know, know what his nickname is for he Twitter. What's what's the language like on what kind of whatever language you want to say? Get oh, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. His his nickname on he Twitter, and this has been the case for Wana. His nickname is Moose Pussy. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna email Basketball Reference and make sure they update that page with uh, Moose Pussy right next to Swamp. No, I, I didn't come up with that it's, nickname. Wait, it's that's, not that's the nickname. It's not like Wikipedia. You can't just go on and do it yourself. No, <laughs> maybe you can. I'm not. I'm not that advanced here. But <laughs> all right. Well, I, look at what I did to us. I started us down a, a, a Kendrick Perkins rabbit hole before we even get into the series. So let's talk. Let's talk Heat Celtics. So Heat have been just chilling since Tuesday, just running through the Bucks. Uh, Celtics have been off since Friday, but they went through a seven-game series. Tough, tough matchup with the Raptors. Uh, what was your, what were your initial thoughts, and what are your initial thoughts on the series once you saw, all right, it's Boston, it's go time? Zaz. Yeah, I wanted Toronto to win because I, I, I felt like, I think Boston's better than them, but when it really boils down to it, I mean, they played a really tight seven-game series. There's clearly not much of a difference between those two teams. I also think that Toronto was running out of gas, which I think we saw by the end of Game Seven. Uh, I think Boston Boston looked fresher to me. They certainly they're certainly a little bit younger. I think they're a little bit younger than Toronto is. Uh, so I don't think that's the case with Boston as far as fatigue goes. And we're not playing until tomorrow. That series ended Friday. I mean, the Heat have been off for a week, but. You know, look, no travel involved. The Celtics have been off for a few days. They're going to be just fine. But then once once Boston won, shift my focus where it's like, all right, let's let's run it back. All right, it's been seven years. Those That three-year stretch, we played them in 11 and 13. That three-year stretch, they were significant. They, they were 
our biggest rival. It was as big a rivalry as there was in the league at the time, because we know all the backstory, obviously, with LeBron leaving Cleveland to, you know, essentially run away, if you want to say, from the Celtics. And even though we only played two of those three years, it then even carried over into 2014, where Garnett and Pierce and uh, who was it? Uh, Terry and Jason Terry were now with Brooklyn. Okay, and the Heat faced Brooklyn in the playoffs that year. So it, it was really like a four-year stretch against those guys. I, I, I hate the Celtics, but I hated the Celtics because of the personnel. Like those guys that I just mentioned, Pierce, Garnett, Rondo, Terry, very unlikable dudes. I mean, just really, really unlikable wherever they go. That's why it's so shocking that everybody loves Kendrick Perkins. He's, I find him super unlikable. I just do. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, and and this Celtic team, I don't think has guys like that except for Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's going to be a pain in the ass to play <laughs> yes, against. We're okay, big, for these big, seven games. Big Marcus That's Smart guys be, on this pod, by the way. Big Marcus yeah, Smart guys. I mean, look, he, he. I can't believe how good he's turned out to be. He's he's a really good player, but he, you know, he also flops and flails all over the place. You know, and that's tough if you're a fan of the other team. So that's what we're going to have to be dealing with. But like, I find Jason Tatum to be pretty likable. I think Jalen Brown is really likable and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with Hayward. Kemble Walker flops quite a bit, but I, I, I don't see it as much with this Celtic team as we did with the Hornets all of those years and the mm-hmm. Bobcats. But uh, yeah, I just, now it's not about me hating the players. It's about, okay, let's get this thing going again. I hate that city. I hate that franchise. Let's do it. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, you got to take on the you got to take on the personality of your star player who can psych himself up to hate anybody. Alex, you know yeah. about that firsthand too. You I mean, you know Jimmy Butler. This is what this is what he does. He, he it's him against the world at all times no matter what. Even when they're the best team, it's it, it's Jimmy Butler. So it makes sense, right? I mean, you saw it, right? Yeah, actually that was the first question I was going to ask Zaz. May I call you Zaz? Yeah, this is our first time meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jimmy Butler in Philly last year really, really embraced this fourth quarter closer role. And even in the most recent series with the Heat, me and Joey were talking about how he's not taking enough shots. Like, is he waiting till the fourth quarter too much in your mind? Or does he really have to, you know, carry the offense throughout the game in this series? You know, the last game, his box line was like 17, 10, and 6. I think he attempted six field goals and eight free throws. And that was a pretty typical Jimmy box score throughout this season. I mean, he's had some big games this postseason, but those were few and far between in the regular season. That game where he's taken six field goal attempts and scoring, you know, three points per attempt – which is obviously phenomenal. Those were pretty commonplace throughout the regular season. He hasn't been, uh, you know, fourth quarter. He's been a go-to guy. But the thing is, in the regular season, he was not good close and late. Like, you can go to A2Games.com, you check out the numbers, close and late, five minutes, fourth quarter, overtime. He was bad. He was bad in the regular season. And he's been phenomenal in that spot in the postseason so far, which is really cool because he got some criticism from the Heat fan and rightly deserved because it's like, hey, we know this is a real good close and late player. We saw it in Philly, okay? And he was not that for most of the regular season. So I'm not sure why you've had a lot of those games in the regular season. I think a lot of it is, I mean, I think you trust these guys. Like Brad Stevens came out today and was talking about how this is, you know, a team that cuts 
to the basket as well as any team he's seen. Like we're talking Golden State Warriors stuff, he mm-hmm. said. And mm-hmm. if you got a team that moves the ball well and, you know, gets free and cuts as well as, you know, Brad Stevens is telling you that they do, I could see Jimmy having no problem. Like he said, he had plenty of tennis assists or at least close to tennis games this year. So uh, I think maybe also in Philly, and you could probably speak to this, Alex, where there, there was clearly an alpha problem. Okay, in yes. Philly. <laughs> yes. And and here in Miami, like Jimmy doesn't have to prove it to anyone on this team. They all know, no matter how many points he has or how many field goals he's attempting, everybody knows he's the top dog. And like Jimmy knows he's the top dog. But I also think that part of it is Jimmy, and this was the case in Minnesota, and it was probably the case in his end days in Chicago as well, where like Jimmy is playing with dogs on this team. Mm. And he certainly didn't have that in Minnesota. He, he clearly didn't feel that way in Philadelphia either. And it's just the perfect group of guys who are either mid-first-round picks, undrafted guys, dudes who don't individually make a ton of money. And those are the guys he respects. You know, the guys like him who came from nothing and were drafted 30th overall. Like, those are the dudes he loves. And I think when he comes, you know, he sees in Philly and he sees Simmons and especially in Minnesota with Wiggins and Towns. And he's like, giving this dude $150 million, what the hell's he ever done? And, but the guys here, these are dudes who have had to work and have not been given anything. And he, uh, he vibes with it. Yeah. I yeah, think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead John. I was going to say that that's one of the things that swayed me so much on the heat this postseason is I really wasn't that high on them. And like, everybody is just so bought in to what they're doing. And their roles are so well-defined. I think that's a huge credit to Spolstra. But it's also a credit to Jimmy because he's taken a leadership role in that team. And uh, they just look so much better to me than they did in the regular season. Now, let me play. I, de- think, oh, I think part of it, too, and I'll say real quick also where – I forget which game it was in the Indiana series. But after one of the games where Jimmy was caught yelling at Bam. And Jimmy said after the game, and it was clearly a slight toward, you know, maybe the guys in Philly and maybe certainly the guys in Minnesota. And I don't think he did it on purpose, but he was just talking about past experience where the reason, you know, we all get along here is somebody's got a problem with what I say or what I do. They come to me. I go to them. No one has hurt feelings. And I'm pretty sure though it was the opposite that was taking place in his previous stops. Again, I don't think he was trying to slight past teammates. I think he was just telling the truth. And yeah, these guys get along. Cool. Yeah. My, so here's my thing with Jimmy, That my question for Jimmy, right? So there's no question that Jimmy vibes with what's going on in Miami and he loves that team and he's embraced that leadership role because heat culture is a real thing and he's perfect for them. However, here, here here's my thing with Boston. In the playoffs, best defensive rating, first in field, opponent field goal percentage, first in opponent three-point percentage. Um, they... They've been playing fourth in opponents' points in the paint in the playoffs. And a few of the teams that are above them, they're one of the teams at least not in the playoffs anymore. So among active teams, they're even higher. To me, in the play, to become now we're not talking about how far can, can you get past the sec, first or second round. Now we're talking championship. Yeah. And when you're playing against a team that, assuming their defense doesn't fall off a cliff, they're going to be a much better defensive team than what the Heat have seen so far. Even though the Bucks were great in the regular season, they weren't this. That's not the Bucks, right? That they were not good in these playoffs. And the Heat, to the Heat's credit, they made it so. So to win a championship, you got to have that dude, man. You have to. I mean, there's a reason why 
the Lakers and the Clippers are the favorites, even though the Clippers might get bounced, right? It's because they have those dudes. And when you look at the Celtics, even though they're young, Jason Tatum is that dude, I think, every night. My concern with Jimmy, and I wonder where you fall on this, is when it comes down to it at the end of a game or even in any game, when the Heat inevitably have these a game or two where they do struggle offensively, where they're not the best three-point shooting team in the playoffs, is he just going to say, is he going to be like game one and game three, Jimmy, against the Bucks, and just say, fuck it, and I'm going, and I'm getting 40, and I'm getting 30? Or is he going to be Jimmy who's like, all right, you know what? I know I can score whenever I want, but I'm going to everybody else get, you know, get going. Because it just, well, I, I've never seen, he sort of bounces back and forth between the two. And I think the deeper they get mm-hmm. in the playoffs, especially against great defensive teams, he's going to have to do it. He has to be the guy. Look, the Heat would totally be bucking the trend uh, that has been forever with right. this league, is that you have to win with the Stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the really the only example of the last like generation is the 04 Pistons. That's it, man. There's no other team. They got okay. a little bit of that yeah. team in them too, that dog, because that team was yeah. de- that team was a def- like they won because they were a great defensive team with a bunch of guys who could just shoot and score when they needed to. They sort of switched off their roles, you know. Yeah, but that's that's the only team that doesn't have that didn't have a defined superstar. Okay, otherwise the teams that win are the teams that have the best player on the floor and the heat have now entered the look you could say they were already in that territory because we all know Giannis is better than Jimmy Butler even though Jimmy was the best player on the floor in those games but the heat have entered that territory now where they will no longer have the best player on the floor none of the games none of the games this series none of the games the next series although I, I suppose unless they end up playing in Denver if you want to make a case but and even then, then you could you still know, Jokic the way Jokic is playing yeah, it's hard to say right. anyone's even, better than him even then anyone. you're probably going to lose that argument okay right. so we're at the point where the heat are never going to have the best player on the floor so we're certainly in uncharted territory as far as what it usually takes to win in this league but yeah they're they're going to wind up leaning on being an incredible passing team being a team that could shoot the hell out of it. And late in games, you know, they got a couple guys. Jimmy's one of them, but they got they got a few guys who are able – I mean, you know how this league goes. you got to have guys who can create their own shot, who can take junk shots, and who can make junk shots. And Goran Dragic is able to do that. And, look, it's crazy, but Tyler Hero is able to do that. He is, a, he is excellent at getting his shot one-on-one. And it's why he's in these games late in the fourth quarter. But look, let's be honest at this point, like nobody expected Dragic to have the playoff that he's having. And I'm, I kind of hope I'm like, all right, I hope the, you know, the other shoe doesn't drop. Okay. With Goron, because he's been playing above what anyone's expectations could have been. And they need him to continue to be that and more this series. So it really is a collective with them because, like I said, they no longer are ever going to have the best player on the floor the rest of the way. Tyler Hero is is just fascinating to me because I, 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 I'd go out on a limb and say, I don't know that I've ever seen a rookie make a progression over an 8-12 to 12 game period like I've seen Tyler Hero. Because when I was watching him in the seeding games, in the playing games, Everything still looked sped up. He still looked like a rookie to me. It didn't look like he it looked like he was rushing to get to his shot. It looked like he was rushing to make a decision. And then suddenly, toward the end of the Pacers series and absolutely in the Buck series, now he's like their full time backup point guard. Yep. He's everything is slowed down. He's make 
I mean, every time he shoots, it's remember I came on your show before the Pacers. I think it's series, going in every time he shoots it. I and think that's, it's going. And in. that's what I was saying about Duncan, right? And I still feel that way about Duncan, but now I feel about both of them. It's like every time because he's taking the right shots and he's making. It's not like he's just forcing to his spot. He's fat, so he actually he's one of those guys who could be the huge X factor for them. I think in general. Um, just they're so they're so much deeper than Boston. That's going to be a huge X factor. But the other guy who we've talked about a lot, me and you, Zaz, is Bam. Um, he he's talking. I I was I went back to watch their three games. He's this had year. a very good year against Boston. Yeah, very he, good. So I went to watch their la- one at least uh, to watch their last game. But none of the games this year, either team was at full strength. So one of the games Jimmy didn't play. One of the games Tatum didn't play. And I think the first game, which is almost a year ago now. Yeah. Um, Marcus Smart and Goron didn't play. So, I, I mean, they've never... But in the last game, Bam took... No eight, Jimmy Butler in the last one. Right, but Bam took 18 free throws. He got to line mm-hmm. 18 times. Yeah. They're going to... They, if he can do that, Heat are tough to... They're, they're going to be tough to beat against anybody. It's hard to know what the series is going to look like because, like you said, that last game, Jimmy did not play. The Heat won it. Okay. The first two games that Boston won, Myers Leonard was still starting both of those games. Justice Winslow started one of yeah, those games. I think Maybe it was the both. first one. I think it was the, well, okay, I, definitely, definitely the first definitely one. Definitely the first one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the first one. Uh, so it's hard to gauge what these th- what these teams are going to look like facing off uh, starting in game number one because the, the three regular season games, yeah, I, I don't know how much we could – we could rely on that. As, I think one big example. a big difference is that in all three of those games, um, they started. Well, two of them, Myers Leonard started at the five, and then yeah, in the last right. one, Kelly O started at the five. And I think obviously Bam now starts at the five, um, and that's a huge difference because Tice can't handle him as good as well, Tice look, has been. Tice the, can't handle the Bam. Heat. The Heat made the trade. Okay, I like calling it now the Jay Crowder trade, where Andre Iguodala. That's so. Throwing. It's so fascinating how it became that, right? <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not very often that the throw-in in the trade gets thirty million dollar extension. You know who and told that's me? What you know here. who told me that was going to happen? Rip Hamilton. When I was at CBS, everyone was like, "The Heat. The Heat are going to win the East now. They got Iguodala. They're. 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 This is. This was the piece Christ. they needed." And Rip's like, "This dude hasn't played basketball in a year." He's like 36 years old. He's fine. He was terrible in the regular season and, games. He's been good in the playoffs, yeah. but he was terrible Rip, in the regular season Rip, games. He was trying to say, he's like, look, he's going to be fine, but Jay Crowder is the guy that mm-hmm. they got here because he can play multiple positions. He can defend. He can shoot. Well, that's the biggest difference is now they switch everything, okay? And they couldn't do that before with Myers. And I, look, Jay Crowder is shooting like 50% from three, <laughs> you know, but that, yeah. that's – uh, not normal, but this is why they made the trade. They made that trade so they could add the two wing defenders, okay? Iguodala and Crowder now. They, they did it uh, so that they could play the way they did against Giannis with, with kind of building a wall. But they can't do that anymore now with mm-hmm. Boston. They, oh, they, can't, yeah. they can't put two and three guys on Tatum or Brown, whatever. But they, they have multiple wing defenders here. Jones Jr. will probably play quite a bit this series. He didn't play very much last series, uh, but they need these wing defenders and like they have, they have the guys now. They now I can be able to double and triple, like I said. But this is why they made the trade is because when they get to this point against a team like Boston, they they have the personnel. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask two things on uh, based off what you just said. One was in terms of their rotation. So Boston has four of the top fifteen players in minutes played in the playoffs. So I wonder, do you think Spo? Obviously, coaches the deeper you get in the playoffs, they tend to shorten their rotations. 
but they've played 10 guys pretty i mean yeah. not major minutes for the deeper guys like like you said D- Derek jones hasn't played a ton of minutes um i'm trying to think kendrick hasn't but he he was sick or had covid or was late for covid or whatever it was but yeah. do you think he continues to play go 10 deep because this these guys played seven games they've played a ton of minutes i mean they had that one game where everyone in their starting lineup played 50 minutes yeah they went two overtimes that one game yeah I mean, look, Olenek, Hero, and Iguodala get regular minutes. So that's eight right there that are getting regular minutes. Uh, Kendrick Nunn started to play a lot more in the second series. And and Derek Jones Jr. played quite a bit in the first series. But I think he, I think both of those guys are going to play this series. Number one, I think Nunn is going to be responsible a, a little bit for Kemba Walker. Um, and, and Jones Jr. will be one of the guys I think that they will try and put on Tatum every now and then. So yeah, I think they're comfortable going with 10 guys if, if they want. And I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't think Boston is as deep as them. I mean, Boston's starting five, if you want to take them over the heat. Okay. But and Hayward's um, out. Hayward is officially out game one. The Celtics tweeted it out earlier. I'm rooting for him to come back. Okay. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not a good defender. I feel like Marcus smart has been playing even more because of Hayward's absence. I want Hayward to play. Let's go. You know, I, I think that's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a benefit for the heat. If he's out there more. Yeah. Um, my other thing, Alex, what do you got? No, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that. That That's wild. Um, does he have a shot at game two? Like how, I don't know. It seems like it. So I guess he worked out in a group setting, but not in like their full team work, uh, practice, yeah. but he did like a side workout. So doesn't sound like he's totally back yet. But I guess for he's me, definitely I, closer. I'm so shocked! I'm so shocked at how Marcus Smart is shooting, and I me just too. Feel like, I, feel I can't like believe it. I just feel like he cannot sustain that in this series. So that's what like. So there Hayward you coming him, back. Him I and think Crowder cancel out, boost. right? Yeah, but if they were to get Hayward's reliable shooting back, I, I do think that would be pretty advantageous to Boston, just because I don't think Smart can keep it up. Um, the other point I was going to make, I, like we talked about Bam a little bit, but I think that's that's really the only like definite advantage I see the heat having over the Celtics. Like I think if the heat are to win this series at the end of the day, we're going to be talking while wow, bam really, like he ate Daniel Tice alive. I, that's the only way I see the heat winning the series just because Boston's wings are so impressive. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of, well, and on the, on the Hayward thing, I wanted to ask you as, so one other thing is we saw how much Nick nurse's zones, messed up Boston last series, the box and one, this triangle and two, all he switched his defensive rotations. Like every few possessions, the heat played the most zone in the NBA in the regular season. They haven't played any in the playoffs. Right. Do you think Spo a plays zone, but also takes some of nurses gimmicks that work? Cause it's fascinating. The fascinating thing was like, they shut down Kemba and they won games because of it. They didn't shut down Tatum every game. They didn't shut down Brown every game. But when they, when they took Kemba completely out of the mix, they, they got back into the series. Yeah, Kemba had a really tough series. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's weird. Like, I saw that as well, that the Heat have not played any zone in the postseason. And over the last nearly two years, the Heat have been the team that had been playing the most zone in the league. And and a lot of us, they, they love using Derrick Jones Jr. in that zone. He covers a ton of space. They said, so that's what made him valuable last year. And they started using him. Um I would absolutely expect them to use zone this series, especially considering that Toronto used it quite a bit. But the Heat, I think they're what fourth overall, maybe defensive efficiency so far yeah. in the bubble, yep. somewhere around that. So that is exactly it's not, where they're at. So it's it's not like what they've been doing. And I mean, 
yes, Milwaukee was not Milwaukee. But I come from the school of thought where you're not playing the way you wanted to play because another team is making you not play that way. So, yeah. yes, Milwaukee mm-hmm. was was clearly not what we saw in the regular season. I think, but I think it's because there was a team there that didn't want them to do that. So it's, it's interesting because Miami was really good at the zone the last couple of years, and they've been pretty good defensively not playing the zone yet. Yeah, but that, maybe that'll be a work to their advantage because mm-hmm. the Boston hasn't seen their zone. Or I mean, yeah. they've seen yeah, they've seen versions of it during the regular season, but they don't know whether what's going to come because they haven't seen it in the playoffs yet. Um, yeah, you're so. I think the perfect snapshot of this series of how fun it's fun, but not in your typical NBA basketball way. The way the league is now, because like this you look defense. at these two teams, right? Boston's second, Miami's third in net rating in the playoffs, but they're twelfth and thirteenth in pace. They're grinding it out, both teams. Yeah, the, Even, heat, the Heat don't play fast. They're yeah. one of the slower teams. So this is gonna be it's gonna be a grinded out defensive I love series. That, though. Oh, oh I it's love gonna it. be fun because they're both physical teams. There is almost guaranteed Jay Crowder, I think, still pr- has a chip on his shoulder because he was a throw in in the Kyrie trade, too. Well, and what about Olenek? They straight up cut him. They renounced his rights to make room for signing Gordon Hayward. They straight up said to Kelly Olenek, we are not even going to tender you a contract. We are renouncing your rights so that we could sign Hayward. So there's that too. Yeah, I think it's it's super interesting. I, to me, like, it's so hard to to lean one way or the other. For me, because I see, yet yeah, I think Miami's been, I think, substantially better offensively in the playoffs than Boston, which is strange to see to like statistically speaking, when you see that Boston has the second best net rating in the playoffs, their defense has been so damn good. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, I think Miami, I think the BAM thing, you have a good point, Alex, but to me, I think if Miami can make it a deep series, like a, a six, seven game series, I think it, it plays towards Miami's favor because of their depth. I think Boston, if Boston can't get out of this series quickly, which I don't think they can, it's going to be really tough. They're going to be worn out, man. All those guys. I know they're young, but they've played a lot of minutes in these playoffs. I would be shocked if this is less than a six or seven game series. And I, I think the heat, one, a huge advantage for the heat is the Celtics going seven games with the Raptors. Like that was a brutal series. And like it, the Celtics aren't a, I mean, they've got some young core players, but Kemba's not young. I'm how old's Daniel Tice? I mean, there's tread on the tires. I have no idea. And Tice Tice has a range that could be anywhere from like 25 to 40 in my. Just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even remember yeah. when he got into the league. I am just. I, I don't know. buy into any of the rust stuff either. You know, with Miami no, being neither do I. I don't. No, I don't buy no, into no, that no. kind of stuff. Playing basketball all their life, and especially like especially not when we're not traveling and we're just walking out of our hotel lobby and going to the gym and practicing. I. I don't buy into any of the rust. I think it's a major advantage for Miami. And but know. that's I also I I don't buy into it in the same way for Boston that they've only had two or three days off and they have to jump into a game. I do think though the minutes eventually. Yeah. The, um, the tag taking. I mean, I mean, dude, going from well, the end of that double overtime game. I mean, you remember what those guys looked like the last couple possessions. Uh, both teams like yeah. they they were done. They were done that night. The the so the last thing. I guess the last factor that we really haven't hit from this series that ultimately could really be the deciding factor is Spo versus Brad Stevens. I mean, and it's I think it's going to be awesome. I, look, I think it's so. It, this is a fascinating subplot just to me because 
Spo is a top five coach, no doubt in my mind, who's won a championship. Brad Stevens is a largely considered a top five coach who hasn't won anything in the NBA. Who has won nothing, right? So <laughs> it's a fascinating thing to see who it's all we talked about it all throughout the playoffs. The reason Coach Bud probably shouldn't have a job anymore is because he can't adjust. Brett Brown doesn't have a job anymore because he just couldn't adjust. And I'm not saying these that's where these guys are, but adjusting from these guys, the game plan is going to be easy going into the games. Like they know what they're doing going into the series. But it's once once Miami starts playing zone, can Brad Stevens figure out how to get that offense going? And can Miami figure out how to score in the paint against if it, if Bam can't get it's just it's gonna be such a fascinating chess. You've seen do you think Spo you know Spo better than anybody. You I mean you you've you've interviewed him, you've you've seen him from the beginning. Is there any part of him that any ego part of him that's like I don't get enough credit for as good of a coach as I am in league in terms of ranking wise. And I, and I, I like proving people wrong. I, I think he's okay with not getting that kind of recognition because we used to ask like, you know, years ago, eventually you stop asking him about it, but the coach of the year stuff, he's never won coach of the year. He's never even come close to winning coach of the year, which is kind of nutty. He's never come close. And, and, and he, he doesn't care about it i think there's also a weird stigma where there was a stretch of years where the coach of year coach of the year would get fired the next year mm. okay so there's a lionel. weird thing going that's on my there guy, my guy lionel hollins uh dwayne casey i think as well george carl happened to george carl definitely george carl would definitely happen yeah. to there was a weird straight where they'd yeah. get fired the next year uh but the, the the thing the thing with brad stevens and eric spolstra that it makes Heat fans angry is it's exactly what you just said, where Brad Stevens is up here on this pedestal. And I think Brad Stevens is a good coach, but Brad Stevens up here on this pedestal having won nothing. And Eric Spolstra is not looked at as on that same level. And he's done an incredible amount of winning. And by the way, before, I don't think Spo is 50 yet. Maybe he just turned 50. At 50 years old. That looks great. He's a, he is a lock for the Hall of Fame. He's a lock for the Hall of Fame, okay? And, yeah, he, like Stevens is thought of one way, and Eric Spolstra isn't really thought of in the same breath, and that's kind of crazy. Well, I mean, I think for the people who know, he is. But I think for like yeah, the, the yes. casual fan, that no, he's not. He's not mm, thought right. of. And I think part of that is probably his two championships were with the big three. So people, if you, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy said it the other day on the broadcast that, you're never going to get the credit you deserve as a coach when you're coaching LeBron James. Because uh, that that's that could be true, but man, like the place where I always go to in that regard is you know, LeBron was one player in his in his 6 years in Cleveland and then his 7th year in the league, his first year in Miami. After that, from his second year in Miami on, he was a completely different player. They changed the way he played. Mm -hmm. He was playing more in the post. He was using his size. How many players in any sport, when they're already the best player in the world, are going to allow a coach to change the way they play? And that happened down here. And LeBron, it was a different level after that. And that's the coach. That's Eric Spolstra. Let you know him buying into this is what we need to do. Okay, and. Take the coaches that LeBron has had since then. 
we all know LeBron is above all of those guys. And that was never the impression down here. And matter of fact, when it was going to get to that point was when LeBron said, peace, I'm out. Okay. Yeah. Because the Heat weren't going to allow, like, look, maybe it was the wrong tact for the Heat to take, but the Heat weren't going to allow it to get to that. All right. Spo was the last coach who I think anyone would have said, okay, that's LeBron's coach. Okay. Now, I thought LeBron's he was getting coaches, fired. Early in that, like, early in that run, I thought he was getting fired for sure. He looked well, like LeBron a deer tried, in the headlights. LeBron tried to get him fired. Yeah. Okay, Le- Le- LeBron went to Riley, wanted him to coach the team. But, you know, Spo was was LeBron's coach. The guys who've coached LeBron since then are essentially there to assist LeBron. Okay? Because LeBron's a basketball genius. He is. The coaches now are there to help LeBron. And it wasn't like that down here. And I don't think Spo gets credit for that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, maybe we'll... Uh... We'll get Spo versus LeBron in the finals. That'd be cool. Oh, uh, I, I want that so bad. Yeah. Oh, so I awesome. want it so bad. I mean, any. I mean, it's. I. It's looking more and more. We'll. We'll talk about the Clippers game briefly in a second. But so Holy there's shit. There, that storyline never crossed my mind. Sorry. That. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's no, it's great. Um, the one thing I got, and here, here's where I, there's one thing about the Celtics that I that I don't know if it's ma- if it makes me lean Celtics in terms of who I'm rooting for, but Zaz, the one thing they don't have is. I got to play it. This is what Jalen, this is Jalen Brown the other day. They, they asked him about a clip went viral. He was teaching taco, him and Ennis Cantor were teaching taco fall, how to swim. They asked him oh, about yeah. it and how he was staying busy. And here, here's what he said. Um, first I would say, you know, being able to spend time with, with taco and Ennis, those are probably the two guys I spend. I've spent the most time with here, you know, just hanging out, having dinner or hanging out by the pool or whatever, and, and those are two great guys, man. So, those guys are great, you know. The, the, so just the swimming lessons, just, I guess, are examples of, you know, of just parts of our friendship just being displayed. Um, but, you know, Taco, I'm not sure if he had the two best teachers <laughs> teaching them how to swim, but, you know, we take it one day at a time. We see where we get. Now, you, you, you've been doing radio for, for a long time, so you probably hear that clip. You're like, that clip's not that great. It doesn't really. What is it? What does that do for us when we're previewing the Eastern Conference Finals? It does nothing other than to bring up to you. Jalen Brown has the most sensual voice in NBA history. It's just so. <laughs> and he. I mean, we played Ooh. it after we played it a couple games ago. It just. I mean, that guy. It really. I. I can't even get over it. I mean, I heard him a couple games ago, and now I can't stop listening to his press conferences. It's amazing, and it's. It's kind of making me lean. Jalen Brown, because I just I want more Jalen Brown post game. It's I thought we were just going to bust on Taco Fall, not knowing how to swim. <laughs> like I thought that's what, I thought that's the direction we were about to go. I'm not shocked. Taco... For some reason, I'm not shocked about that. I don't know why. Some it's... dudes don't. It's always weird meeting a grown up who doesn't know how. To, like I guess is Taco Fall a, a grown up? I suppose it's always weird meeting a grown up that doesn't know how to swim. It's, that's always weird. So, is there anyone on the Heat that can rival that the the sultriness yeah. of his voice? Who who do the Heat have anyone? Myers Leonard has a pretty deep. Yeah, voice, I was going to say he? Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard has a good thick voice. Yeah, uh, thick from voice. what I understand, he's a good looking dude. Okay, there's. Uh, so, do, listen, you don't have to. We don't yeah, have to listen. We know. Hey. I got a growth spurt, but it's it's going horizontal. By the way, <laughs> I mean, come on, Myers Leonard. We're, we're, not, we're not messing around there. That's a, that's a good looking man. But if you just heard the voices, I mean, I don't know, Jalen Brown, not quite on the level, but the voices, it's crazy. I, I never knew. 
Never knew. Now I know. Now I you like know. Um, all right. Let's – tonight, depending on when you're listening to it, tonight or game day, the, the Celtics are minus one and a half to win game one without Gordon Hayward, which I think is an indication of how Vegas really thinks this series is, is – I mean, it's, it's basically a pick. Um, I don't know how, where you land on, like, making picks against the spread and that type of stuff, but we – we do it for all the games on the show. So if you don't want to make a pick, I mean, you're probably, you're picking the heat. So I don't have to even ask there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just easier for me to pick the series. I saw the most recent odds. Yeah. That, I have them here Boston, too. Yeah. Boston jumped Miami in the overall, uh, what are they plus uh, to win the title? I'm talking about, they jumped so, Miami recently. So they're right? series odds. So the series odds. So what is that right now? Celtics are minus minus one forty. The heat are plus plus one fourteen, which is also basically about yeah, as even as you can get close. without it being even. Yeah. The interesting numbers are in how many games. Uh, Vegas does. Vegas, I think, agrees that this thing's going six, seven games. And the further you get down, like when in six, it's Celtics plus four forty, Heat plus five hundred, and then to win in seven, it's Celtics plus four forty, Heat plus four ninety. So it's. Huh. it's pretty... I would have thought. Yeah, I would think the longer the series goes, advantage Heat, just because of all we're talking about with yeah. how many games played and all of that. I would figure uh, that the Heat would have an advantage there, but still, those numbers are so close uh, late in the series. How many? How many games? As. Uh, well, I think I think the Heat are going to win. I uh, I mean, look, if we're sitting in a game seven in these two teams, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the verge of an aneurysm. I really <laughs> am. Like, I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm I I can't believe it that we're. By the way. Like I think that these two teams, the future of the Eastern Conference from here on out. I think we're. Gonna, I think this is going to be the case for a few years now. Well, I think we're going to get Miami and Boston again, the way we did the beginning of this past decade. I think we're in store for this for a few years now, which I think is going to be really fun. Uh, yeah, I like the Heat to win the series in a long series. So I guess that means either six or seven. Uh, you know, let's go. Let's go Heat seven. But I, I can't believe that my heart is going to go through that again because those <laughs> series back in 2011 and 2013. Whew. That was good stuff, but it was uh, yeah. like going into that game six in 2013, the infamous LeBron game. That game was not fun for me until it was over. Yeah. I enjoyed none of that game until it was over. I'm going to, before I go to Alex's pick, I'm going to throw Boston in the mix there. I mean, in Brooklyn, because it's just impossible. If KD comes back healthy, there's no way that they're not right there on the level with these two teams immediately. Just it, He's just too good, and there's really nobody in the East like him. He, you know, but in terms of the future, they they're there. But if Katie comes back next year, they'll be right in the mix. But yeah, these two teams, no question for the future. Alex. Yeah. Well, just to second that as a Philly fan, there's I'm terrified of these two teams. The building blocks are there. Tatum and Brown for the next decade is a nightmare. And then you look at these. I mean, hero. Bam. It, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks to be a Philly fan right now. But uh, I got to take the Celtics. I think it's going seven. I think this is going to be a classic series. I really do. And for me, it's as simple as we mentioned it earlier. I think Tatum's the best player on the floor, and that gets it done in seven games. But I kind of just love the fact that we don't have the Warriors anymore, and it's a foregone conclusion. Like, I have no idea what is about to happen down the stretch here. Um, and it's really fun. Um, I think either of these teams could win the title because I'm just not blown away by the Lakers or the Clippers, um, but I'll, I'll go Celtics in seven. Not confident. I mean, how wild would it be if the Clippers wind up losing this game seven? Well, I, right, yeah, yeah. So, 
let's talk about that. But first, my I hate it's so weird for me because I'm such a star. I'm such a believer that, especially deep in the playoffs, if you have the best player on the floor, yeah, you have the advantage to win the series. But I do think that there's a chance Bam could be the best player on the floor in this series. So. Wow. It, not not right away, but he could prove to be the best player in this series. The same way in the Bucks series, Giannis was the best player until Jimmy was the best player. Um, so we'll see. It remains to be seen. They just if he can assert himself offensively and be that guy until crunch time. But if Bam averages twenty a game, that's gonna be tough. I mean, that's not really his thing, but he could do it against this team. And like I said, I do believe that he have a big advantage if this goes deep because I think I know, I mean Kemba. Already kind of looks worn out. Gordon Hayward's never going to be 100% healthy, just getting thrown back into it. They're playing a lot of minutes. It pains me because I, I'm going against what I believe, but I'm, I'll am i go Heat in seven. because not that It doesn't pain me to pick the Heat. It just pains me to go against what I believe, which is the most talented team usually wins deep in the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. But No, they're totally bucking the trend. Everything yeah. that Heat have done so far, they're totally yeah. bucking the trend. Yep. Um, all right, you mentioned the Clippers. So game seven, I mean, we didn't even talk. We talked about it a ton yesterday, but we'll talk about we'll, real quick. We'll just we'll, I listened to your show earlier. I listen to it all the time. You're not a big Clippers guy. Oh, I love rooting against them. They're so unlikable. They really Ugh. are. They're so unlikable. First of all, they're a nothing franchise. I mean, they lit, they're literally a nothing franchise, the Clippers. Nobody cares about them. I think I saw games. a stat the other day that they're now – like 0-6 or 0-5 all-time with a chance to uh, yeah. go to the Western all Conference time. Finals. <laughs> with all a chance time. to just and go to the, the Western way, Conference Finals. Not even to yeah. go to a championship, just to go to the Western yeah. Conference Finals. Yeah, and and by the way, Doc Rivers looking to become the first coach ever to blow three 3-1 leads. All right, so you got that on the line too. He did it with the Clippers uh, already, and <sighs> he that. did it wow. with Orlando back in the day when they were up 3-1 against the Pistons. Okay, so he's looking to become Tracy McGrady. Remember, McGrady said it's great to finally get past the first round yeah. after they went up three one, and they didn't win again. Well, Alex, right. Alex, yeah. how old were you when Doc Rivers was coaching the Magic? You could not have been. Yeah, you were probably in middle school. I'm not sure. You were probably. I mean, you had to be young. like. For me, this Tracy is like McGrady. One oh two. I'm yeah. talking about. In my mind, McGrady's wearing a Rockets jersey. So that's <laughs> like, I, you know, I when he was with the Magic, I was still. Yeah. Coming online, I guess, but McGrady post game saying, you know, how does it feel to be up three? It was great to be out of the first round. They didn't win again that round. Unbelievable. So anyway, uh, yeah, Doc. Look, there's nothing wrong with Doc Rivers as a person, but he is he's his team has never committed a foul. He's nonstop bitching and moaning. OK, I can't handle Doc. And obviously, Pat Beverly is brutal to watch if you're on the other team. Just brutal. And we know about Pat Beverly. He came up through the Heat camp. The Heat cut him going into, I think it was 2011 or 2011, yeah. 2012. Uh, he cut him. And so he's, he's got this massive chip on his shoulder ever since then. How could, how could a team cut me? I'm Pat Beverly. And so he's completely unlikable. And then you got the Morris brothers. I never know which one plays for which team. Okay, whichever one plays for the Clippers. He also they, they got the they got the dirtier unlikable. one. Marcus is sort of the dirtier one, it seems. Yeah, he's the is one. That on the, the one on the that's Clippers? the one on the Clippers. Yeah. Okay, so they, they got the dirtier one. Uh, they they well, are. Get ready because if you go to the finals, you're probably playing one of the Morris brothers. Right, right, and the, and and Montrez Harrell. I don't know anything about Montrez Harrell other than what he said to Luka Doncic, which my God is such a bad look yeah. with everything that we're all trying to accomplish. Right. Okay, totally. right now. So that was awful. 
that Clipper team, I can't handle it. I just, I don't like them. I hope they lose game seven. Let's, let me throw the, okay, this. I, go ahead, Alex. I just, I fully thought this was coming, but the thing that pisses me off the most about the Clippers is when on the broadcast, inevitably, they cut to the owner, Balmer. Oh, yeah. Cheering like a jackass. Oh, it's, yeah. It's He's once a, a game. Yeah. It's once a game if they're winning. Yeah. That gets me fuming. You got uh, sorry, a billion just, dollars in the bank. Get control yeah, of yourself. Just, and it, it's so forced and, and weird. But yeah, yeah. Uh, now that it's a safe space. You know what's wild? That in there. They're, mi- they're minus seven and a half. Yeah. I mean, they're a, they're a lot better than the, the... Oh, and here's another reason, okay, that I can't stand it. They never try. They never try. They're constantly not trying. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it. And then you add on to it, Kawhi never plays. Paul George never plays. It's just, it's a nothing team to me. So I'm going to put this out there because I've been, I've said, I said it in the Dallas series when they were tied 2-2 and I'll say it now that they're tied 3-3 and I'll, we'll end on this because I'm interested to see what your thoughts on this are. If the, if the Clippers lose game seven, the same way we do with every star player and we do with LeBron more than anybody, Kawhi Leonard's legacy already has to be totally reevaluated. If they lose this game, because he won a title with the Spurs with a bunch of winners. He didn't have to be a leader. He just had to be a part of the team. He won a title in Toronto against a Warriors team that was crippled and full of veteran winners. Kyle Lowry goes to the conference finals every year. Serge Ibaka has been in the finals. Marcus Saul has been deep in the playoffs. Danny Green was an NBA champion. Loaded. Now he's chose to go to this team with a bunch of guys who have accomplished absolutely nothing in their careers. And he's got to be the guy. And I think what we all love about him, I mentioned this yesterday on the show about, or what people love about him is he's a robot and he's a cyborg and he doesn't show emotion, just goes out and gets it done is what I think is killing them right now. Because for as much shit as people give LeBron, I just don't see a scenario where LeBron is up three, one, against a team that is so far inferior talent-wise, or at least they are now because they're so young, LeBron's coming out in the media and to the team and saying, we got we to gotta put our foot on their neck, dude. And when you listen to Kawhi, it's just like, oh, we got to follow the game plan. Um, we got to not be lazy on defense. And, and it's just like, dude, what are we doing here? So if, he, if they lose... I don't know, man. It, it, there's, it totally changes my perspective on him if they especially blow in a 3-1 lead. I think it's interesting what you just said. Like, I think those are all good points about his time in San Antonio, even though, of course, he was finals MVP. Uh, so is Andre Iguodala. And, and, and he was really good in 13 also when he beat them. Uh, but 14, obviously, finals MVP. And Toronto, uh, Toronto beating Golden State, shorthanded. Those are really good points. But, man... There is not much precedent for two-time finals MVP uh, for us to change the way that we view them as a player in the middle of their prime. I, I just there is there is no precedent there. I, who who else have we done that with? No, we 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 don't. I mean, other than be, I mean, other than LeBron, who we bash for being three and six in the finals. I guess um, people are up and down on him in terms of what his legacy is, but it just, it's, it's, I'm not saying you got to like his career. He, he's a nobody. And he, he was just another guy. He's obviously there's to me, 
there's no question what he is. He's the first or second most talented player on the planet. It's just like, if he can't get this uber-talented team to lock in, it just... But what changed. happens when, when in Game 7, they lose Game 7, he scores his 30 points. He's going to score 30 points. He scores his 30 points. He's really good. He's not going to get the blame. You know, and depending on what that. happens with Paul George, like the blame will come down on Paul George if he does not play well. I know, but I'm just I, like to me, what's the difference? And again, I, I know and this is where I where the questions come in for me. I'm not comparing James Harden and Kawhi because obviously there's different levels there, right? Because one of them is really great and the other one's Harden. Well, but James Harden since he left Oklahoma City, has never played on a team like Kawhi has played on in any of Kawhi's stops. That team in Toronto... Here's also the thing that you got to consider with Kawhi. Don't forget, before last year, what was the reputation Toronto had? And Kyle Lowry, too, specifically. Huge chokers, can't perform in the playoffs. You know, mentally, Kyle Lowry... It, w- it wasn't that long ago where he was leaving in the middle of games to go back to the locker room because <laughs> mentally he was having an issue. That's a true, that's a true story. Yeah. And now Kyle Lowry's like Mr. Perfor- playoff performer, you know, but that only changed last year when Kawhi got there. So I think that that's got to play a part as far as what Kawhi did with that team. I totally agree. And I think you went from a team that was on the brink of being a finals team and you swapped out DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi and the talent took a really, really good to great team to an elite team because of the talent level. But I think the leadership and the experience and all of that, other than Nick Nurse sort of coming in for Dwayne Casey, but in terms of the roster, the experience and all that was there. The foundation, so to speak, was there, right? It's almost like Miami. The, 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 The foundation of what Miami does is there. Now you bring in Jimmy Butler. And if Jimmy Butler does this, it's going to change the narrative of his career. Kawhi goes to Toronto. The foundation's there. He's just, you went from having DeMar DeRozan, who's, I consider him the way you consider Harden. He stinks. To Kawhi, who's arguably the most talented player on the planet right now. That's where I I say, if they lose here, this team, which team, if you just looked on paper, who's more talented, last year's Raptors or this year's Clippers? Just talent. if I looked on paper, last year's Raptors or this year's Clippers, both both of them have Kawhi. Yeah. The, the, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, last year's Raptors. Oh man. <coughs> oh boy. Last year's Raptors. This year's. Uh, I think I gotta go Clippers, right? Yeah. I think I, I think gotta so. go this year's Clippers. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Paul George is better than you know last year's version of Pascal Siakam. Right. And and so why can't. And this isn't like a new thing. Them blowing this 3-1 lead is not new. They struggled against Dallas, and they gave up leads all the time in the regular season too. Like they have struggled to put teams away. And they have a lot of guys on that team that think they're way better than they are. And and I'm with you. Their attitudes for across the board for the most part are awful. And Alex is of Nobody's won anything and a nothing franchise. And I think Alex is with you too on the Doc Rivers thing. Like, and I agree. But you also, I think you'll probably agree with this. If your coach has to get you up and be the motivator, you're done already. And when you get to this level, if the coach has to be the guy to motivate you to put teams away, you're done already. But on the floor, the best player has to be that guy. So I'm not, I'm not going to say if he loses, he's not as great of a player talent-wise. But there's going to be some questions about, like, 
can this guy really, really lead a team to a championship? With all this said, by the way, I think there's no chance the Clippers lose. <laughs> I was going to say that, yeah. No chance. Well, that's, and then that's what happened last time. they're going to try. Well, they're going to try this game. I know, but, and against Dallas, as soon as I said that and started questioning that, they went out and just smacked Dallas. So, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think <laughs> just for the sake of this podcast, I think the Nuggets cover seven and a half. I, ho- I hope they win. I hope they make it interesting. Dwayne that Jokic. Pick, that's your official pick? Yeah, that's my official pick. Okay. Oh, I'm I don't even think I made a game one. Here. I don't think I made a game one pick for Heat Celtics. I'll go one and a half. I'll go Heat one and a half to win game one. All right. I'll take the Celtics. Um, and shit, this game, like, I, I have no idea who the Nuggets are. I don't know. Like, we established early on that their defense is dog shit. And now I don't even know if that's true anymore. Like, I don't know what I'm watching with this team. I know the Clippers are not playing up to their potential. But, like, I'm going to take the Clippers minus seven and a half, but there's no chance I put any of my money on it. because yeah. You're putting that I, fake money on it. Yeah, uh, I don't know yeah. what's going on here. Like, <laughs> the one thing yeah. I'll say about this game seven is, we, and we can probably end it, we probably ended here. We went. This is by by far the longest episode and the best episode we've done. So thank wow. you guys. Like this is we're about twenty minutes over what we normally do, but I didn't want to stop it because this shit's great. Um, we talk about how the team with the best player on the floor wins, right? Generally late in the playoffs, there's an argument to be made that the best player in this series has been Jokic. Yeah, but the best player on the floor will be Kawhi. I That's know, but I know, yeah. but this is a weird the 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 bubble's weird, man. Like, just when you think the best player is this guy. I mean, would Jimmy Butler have consistently been the best player against the Bucs if the Bucs had home games? I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. And no. this game seven should be in L.A. We could go another hour if we're going to get into that. So. I know, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the bubble is a whole other thing. Uh, Zaz, man, I don't think I plugged it enough at the top. Seven ninety the ticket radio.com you can get the sh- get the 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 shows on there every day the, as a podcast what else the pregame yeah, uh, post radio.com the ticket miami.com uh at zaslow show on twitter there you have it and we didn't even get Thank to get into it. he had uh john calipari on today and it was awesome he was I, great. Just, I mean i could listen i could have that could have been your four all four hours i could have just listened i could just listen i love listening to coaches talk and that was he was great. He was great. He made it easy. He was very good. Yeah. yeah, thank you. All right, well, go check it out, and we'll probably have Zaz back on later on in the playoffs once we uh, see how this thing all plays out. Thanks, yes. Zaz. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Good stuff, yeah, man. Thank you, man. All right, we'll yeah. see you guys tomorrow.